So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. This podcast, I've been actually writing a bunch of stuff down. The last two, three weeks, I've gotten a lot of emails coming in from everybody asking about how to get started. We've talked a lot about cultivating opportunities. So today, me and my trusted co-host here, Rock Pilon, we're talking about actually getting started. Awesome topic. Probably the thing that we get the most feedback on. Everybody saying, okay, either they don't know where to start or they're looking at different options. And now they're like, what do I do? Yeah. There are some steps that you can take that everyone can take to kind of get ready and get started and go in the right direction versus getting getting yourself in the wrong situation. It, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think, you know, one of the problems with the internet is sound bites rule. And sound bites just don't work in a complicated situation like entrepreneurship and investing. I was actually thinking about this last night. I was like, you know, I, I guess I saw a meme or something and I'm like, how easy would it be just to live your life by like, you know, every just deal means. that cash flow is is a deal to buy or something yeah, like yeah. that. And I'm like, I wish that that just worked, but you know what? It's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. I don't have like these stand, every time I think that there's a standard rule that you would always do and you would never break away from it, there never really is, mm-hmm. you know? And I think Warren Buffett's kind of the perfect example of that too. Like he has these laws that he abides by, right? And he's like, you could never invest in investment banks because they're black boxes. Well, I got this really good deal on Goldman Sachs, so I bought it, right? And yeah. I don't invest in technology because I, I don't understand it. Well, yeah. now they're the largest owner of Apple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that there's ways that you, there's certain rules that you don't, Bend, but it's the thing that you need to be ready to is being able to adjust and pivot to get to your goal because you, I think you don't know what the future is, right? right? So when you get started, it's not like you have a straight shot at it and you know exactly where you're going. And that's what you need to be ready for when you get started. You need to be okay not having all the information right in hand and still being able to take action. Yeah, and I think you need to focus in on like a topic or a subject or or something specific and kind of learn your core competencies around that subject, get good at it, kind of go in that direction. And as you go in that direction, you'll start to see and learn more about other things, but you'll have your core thing. Like a lot of people, maybe they start flipping houses and that's their kind of their earned income, but then they'll go become a realtor. And they'll start to sell houses and then maybe they start to do buy and holds. Like they kind of expand into the area of real estate or people that own businesses might buy other businesses that um, expand around their their main thing. And I guess Warren Buffett does that at the highest level. Yeah, Yeah. like his main thing is simply to take advantage of value pricing. And when things get undervalued, he buys them. and, And he's very specific and he stays to it. Right. Like he talked about, and that's why that's such an example. He's like, I don't understand tech, so I don't invest in it. But his role was to buy undervalued companies. Yeah. So when the companies became so undervalued, he stuck to his rule. Yeah. And he bought something where originally he said, I can't buy because I don't understand it. And, and that's a perfect example of staying to your core competencies, but then spreading out. Yeah. And I was, I was watching those, his annual report 
on YouTube, and he and he has those two new guys, the two uh, the younger. Yeah, uh, I think it's like Rajit or and there's two guys, and they're big on Apple, and I think that's kind of why they did the underwriting and figured mm-hmm. out their investment into Apple, and so Charlie and Warren just was like, okay. Okay. Do it. Because eventually you know? those guys are going to run Berkshire Hathaway. Absolutely. And, but that's within their core competencies. They understand tech more than Warren Buffett understands physical businesses and the companies like that. But I mean, c- coming back to it, I mean, yeah, you need to figure out where you need to start and I guess build a path to progress. I th- we talked about, you know, this idea of finding out where to go and cultivating opportunity. And I think a few things you need to understand when getting started. Once you've kind of picked and said, this is either my interest, this is my opportunity, this is where I think the world is headed, whatever it may be to that goal. So if you're buying property, if you're saying, okay, listen, I'm going to, you know, house hack and build a portfolio over 10 years of X amount of properties, or if you're like, no, I'm going to go straight into commercial, or if you're going to start an online business, or it's going to be a service industry, servicing a segment of the market that you think is underserviced and you can do better, however that may be. Once you've identified that, the next step is, I think we were talking about this this morning of having this understanding of that it's going to take a while. Yeah. Like you need to be okay with that. I mean, Jim Reapers is at what? How long? How many years now? Uh, we're five and a half years in. Yeah. So your online company is now five and a half years in, and you have only now been working full time on it for a year. Well, full time for three months. Three months. Yeah. Yeah. Not even remotely close. So, but, but it took it took the four year, four and a half, five years to get it to the point where. I could walk out of my job and into it without having a drop in my lifestyle or a drop in the performance of business or any noticeable change in anything. And I don't even think you guys noticed a change because I I wanted to replace myself and make sure that you guys were good too. And so to do that, that was the hardest part is figuring out how do I transition on both ends, make everything work great. And I think it was perfect because now I'm able to that, and it was a cost, uh, a trade on my, my time, like the eight hours here at a certain point, it made a lot of sense to spend it here, but it, it changes as you get better at your business or your investments and your eight hours are better spent working on your real estate or working on your online business. And then you have to make that decision and make sure you're in a position to make that decision without impacting like negatively any sort of like financial, I, I wouldn't want to leave, leave my good job and go into a, a company that I that might or might not work, and I have mortgages or car payment or debt that I need to take care of. Well, and too, then what happens is you kill the company that you're trying to make survive because you're pulling the resources. Exactly. And that was the same with us. I mean, we worked our sales jobs for five years yeah. before we moved all over, and we're like, hey, it can support us without us killing it. And so I think first when you're getting started is figuring out how. And lots of people, I, I think this is a misnomer when they're like, get started – I don't know what I'm going to really do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to go a hundred percent in. Yeah. Right. And do all of it. And I'm going to, that do was your advice to me. It was just like, Hey, just do all of it. Mm-hmm. And like most people would say, well, no, you need to focus. And that argument, you're right. You need to focus. But most people, when they focus, they don't even focus on anything worthwhile focusing on. So when you're doing all of it, you at least get to f- learn and figure out what's, what's going to work. And then you can focus on what's working. That's what I did. I did all of it. And then I was like, oh, these two things, the real estate and the, and the online business, I can focus on these and I know how to make them work. And and I, I went to school yeah. at the same time, worked on my job, but my focus was on those two areas because those two areas could compound 
and remove, remove my time. Whereas, I mean, your education can pay off and your job can pay off, but they're, they're ca they cap out at a certain point. Yeah. And you just want to focus on things that don't cap out. Exactly. That can grow exponentially. Yeah. And then separate. That's all you do. Money. All exactly. you do is spend all time focusing on what compounds. Exactly. A hundred percent of the time. So I think once starting out and figuring out, okay, listen, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to invest in. I want to invest in self-storage. I want to invest in houses. I want to start my online company. I want to do a blog, whatever it is that you say, you need to realize this is going to take time and resources. So I need to adequately allocate those time and resources. And this means carving it out, you know, and I, I know you've had as well as I had, I, I have friends that are like, you know, listen, I don't, I don't want to give up my social life. You know, I, you know, if they go to the bar on the weekend and on the weekdays and like hanging out with friends, like yeah. going out and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, well that that's fine, but that's the choice that you make then. Right. It's your choice. You don't live it. And there's, I think there's a lot of people, especially with this idea of focus when it comes down to focus, it's like, they're like, oh, well, I want to have the life that my job provides. I've done it five, right? Yeah. And beyond. Um, but I also want all the upside and I end up not wanting to work at my job. Yeah. And it's like, well, you, you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared to give it everything. When you start out, you, your business is your baby. And, you know, that's something that me and my wife and, you know, even my kids, we knew, you know, I have a child and it's a business. And when my child cries, I have to pick it up. Yeah. I have to feed it. I have to take care of it. And as long as you understand that you're going to have a child that's colicky and it cries all the time and you have to take care of it 24 seven, that's okay. And you need resources in the form of capital, things like that. And so if you have a savings and it's the smallest amount of savings, what happens when you run out of it? Are you taking investors? right? What are you going to do? Or are you going to work your job and pour the money into it that way? You know, people that like to retain control, which, you know, both me and you were that, we didn't want to go out and fundraise and get all this money and everything like that. That required us then, okay, I don't have somebody paying my salary. I got to do it all. So figuring out how to move forward on that specific item, that line item of investment or entrepreneurship is the first step really is making sure you have a foundation to move from. To move from. Yeah. And we're talking about resources and time and understanding. This is years. There, there is no, you know, there is no. in 12 months. Exactly. That you, you need to have the expectation for years. And if it happens sooner, awesome. That's just if fantastic. If you want it to be sustainable. If you want it to be sustainable. Yeah, you can do it in 12 months, but it probably won't last another 12 months. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You've got to build the infrastructure, the processes, the systems for it to grow, to Which, scale, and last. And yeah, if you think about it, it's worth doing that because the time's going to pass anyway. Like, it, even if it takes you 10 years or it takes you one year, but the 10 years is secure and the one year isn't, you may as well just take the 10 years because in 10 years, you'll still be doing whatever you were doing. You just will probably have something that's working and lasting and gr able to grow. Exactly. I always get confused when people are like, oh, like the, they want to do it quick, but then they're not looking what happens in five years with the work you did quickly. Yeah. They're like, oh, 10 years is too long. I'm like, the time well, goes by anyway. But you're going to be doing the same yeah. thing in 10 years. And in 10 years, you're still going to be wishing that you would have done it. You want the same things yeah. in 10 years. Oh, and well, you just missed all the time that you could have done building it. And two, like I've said this a lot. I never want to screw future AJ because yeah. future AJ needs the time, resources, financial independence yeah. way more than present day AJ. Yeah. When I'm 60, 
Do you think all of a sudden, oh, I'm not going to care about traveling and I'm not going to care about how? No, you're going to care about it way more than when you're in your 20s. When you're in your 20s, it doesn't matter. When you're in your 30s, work your brains out every day, all day, right? Because when you get older, 45, 25, who cares? Like you're still, you're just going to want it and need it more because your time is condensing at the end. Your ability to compound is less. So you're, you get out of your 20s and 30s for one unit of dollar and one unit of hour, you get 10 compared to what you get in your 50s or in your 40s and 50s. It's not even the same thing. So you should double up everything in your 20s and 30s and because 40, 50, 60, you is going to want it even more. So you need to be ready and okay for that long, hard time and really getting down to business, saving money, foregoing short-term for the long-term. Yeah, I was watching uh, David Rubenstein from the Carlisle Group. He's a billionaire. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was watching him. He was giving a talk at the at Harvard. It's, this is on YouTube too, and he talks about like the one thing she. I think the interviewer asked him like, "What's the one thing?" Can't remember how she worded it, but it's like, "What what what would be the one thing that you would or that you're focused on or you you want to do now?" And he's 69, and he's like, "I want to do more with the time I have left," because he because he realizes how much how much he can do now, and it, a lot of it was giving back. Because he donates all, all his money to the to, to um, areas he's passionate about, but a lot of it was about like him, like his business, like growing his business, and that was all he cared about. And it, and if you think about it, he started in his thirties. Um, he's been doing that his whole life, but he's still stuck on doing more in the time he has left. But he's so conscious of his time because yeah. he knows like, hey, I got I probably got like 10, 20 years left. And yeah, he was that was the one thing he talked about was his time. It's so much more valuable. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, at least from what I've seen, their 20s and 30s, they basically waste 20 decades or 20 years, two uh, two decades. And two, they've lost the most valuable time that there is. I was really fortunate because either I was lame or whatnot. My 20s, I worked 24-7. I got up at 5 o'clock. I worked. I studied. And I went home. I didn't really have a life. Um, every year I'd hope to go on maybe a ski trip or something, right? But other than that, I just worked. Yeah. Um, I still do. I work more than I've ever worked. And it's people are like, oh, that sounds miserable. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, it's fun. I, it's fun. It's I fun. love it. And yeah. people that have a, a work life separation, I, I hate this. I hate this idea. I hate this concept that you need work life balance because I think it's stupid. You have your life. It, that's all it is, right? Yeah. And so me, work-life balance, I mean, I... Just I, work and it, live. Just live. Yeah, yeah. So I do the things that I really want to do. I want to grow. I want to create future generations and stuff. So get in that mindset for the long term. That's what we're saying. And yes. it's really important. Give up the short-term things and then take the step to move forward. Now, when you take the step to move forward, I think the second most important thing is this you know, to get rid of misnomers and things like that. And it's one, it's a cultural thing that we think that entrepreneurs are like rock stars from the standpoint, they stand alone. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is not true in any way, shape or form. Entrepreneurship investing is not done on an Island. And if you think it is, you're going to fail. You have to have a team. You have to have people that will support you. You could probably, you could probably replace your income not solo, because that's impossible, but with a small team. But if you're really trying to grow, if you're really trying to make something big, it's even more important that you have the right people 
in the right seats on the bus, and that you surround yourself with people that are better than you. I cannot understate this. Like it is probably the most important thing that you'll do. Yeah. Um, you need to find the best in class, surround yourself with them, and get all the help you can get. Yeah, that's why AJ surrounds himself with me. <laughs> Should have known that was I had, coming. I had to do. <laughs> um, I think uh, if you if you're trying to grow something that's sustaining and, and grow and will continue to grow over time, you can't just do it by yourself. And I think well, unless you want to, like if you wanted to just have like a like a one million dollar business that makes you a hundred to two hundred grand a year, and that's like your thing. You can do that. I don't know how long it'll last. But even then, you got to have product designers, manufacturers, unless you're Con- you can in use like contractors a- and stuff. Like if yeah, you, if you had, but to. you still got to reach out to other people. Yeah, yeah. But I think I don't think that that lasts long because your competitors will always be not only consolidating but growing, innovative. That will, and- yeah, that'll eat you. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think there's limits to what you can do. Yeah, what your time is, your your you know everything. I mean, so- the, the best companies in the world have the best teams yeah and you you have to the way you'd start to build a team is just look at where you spend the most time and the the dollar per hour task that's being done like whether if you're shipping or you're managing certain like little things in the business you just seek to hire out and build and and that person would kind of silo into that position that's all i've been doing the past month and a half two months is just figuring out where i spend too much of my time and then i fill that gap with a virtual assistant or a physical employee part-time and I just now I've been able and yeah you, you, the way you look at it is you're buying help uh, to, to kind of move forward and now I'm freed up hours and hours of, of my my week that I can focus on high-level things that push forward right yeah and I mean you fill in the holes where you like you know I know some people that are great at underwriting assets they're just amazing at it but they're terrible at deal flow and so you got to realize that one side of the coin doesn't exist without the other. And they needed to find someone that could patch in deal flow. They also needed to patch in someone that could do operations. They needed, you know, uh, the marketing side. There's all these different angles where things that I need in my business that I know that I'm not going to be good at and I'm never going to be good at it. And I need to get somebody that's naturally awesome and loves those items right. to help me. Yeah, and it, when you're looking at payroll and managing payroll, it seems like a step back, but it's actually a step forward. You yes. can't measure it, but it's a step forward. It is, and that's a hard. And it's scary. People do like, and yeah. and there, there's nothing more crippling than not investing in your company. And the first thing is is personnel. And you're yeah. right. You pay somebody because remember, as an investor and an entrepreneur, it's coming out of your pocket. It is. Once again, that's why we say keep your job. Those resources are really important. And then once you start needing help, and you have to pay people for that help, it starts to get really, really hard. Another way that I know that people do, and I also like it, is you get partners. And you say, listen, I am bootstrapping this. You're really good at this one side, and I'm really good at this other. You know, me and Sam, my partner and our CFO, he's really, really detail-oriented. Uh, yeah, operation, operation like, yeah. numbers, He'd and be the integrator. Yes, and you'd be more of the visionary. This is a book from Rocket Fuel. It's a the EOS operating system. Yeah, which I got to read that. Dude, I was telling you about it. I'm like, because yeah. I read Rocket Fuel five days ago. It, it's quick read too, and I was reading it, and I know you and Sam pretty well, and I'm like, this is you guys put together, like personified, because they were describing the characteristics and the even like the negatives of you guys and the positives, and I'm like, dude, this is. And it's why you guys make such a good team because there's no confusion between where you guys are going or what you guys do. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the people, when you start out, like for me, I don't have, I, I would say I'm both. 
Yeah. I kind of have to be. Yeah, you have but, to be. But when, when you kind of start to grow or when you're trying to build a brand or do something that's sustaining, you need to have everyone know their role and there needs to be no confusion. And they, they draw a graph of all these arrows going in different directions and it's an organization and nobody really knows where they're going. And so everyone's fighting with themselves. Whereas if you have a clarity in your roles, you have clarity in your company and everyone just goes in the same direction. And that's what kind of what you guys do here. It's like you, there's never, I don't think that you guys have confusion on what you guys are doing. Like you guys just do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Yep. I think too, lots of people, you want to surround yourself with, you know, the worst is, oh, my buddy, I like him. We like hanging out. And so we're going to start a business together. And this is important to remember when you're taking this step, when you're moving forward, it's not about you. It's about the business and its customers. Mm -hmm. So nobody cares that Bob's your buddy. And so he's going to be your partner. That, That literally doesn't matter. So when your business is suffering because of it, and all of a sudden there's fighting and you guys have different visions or you're not doing the same things, you don't have the help because you both are good at the same thing. That's why you're friends. You're loading up on it. It that 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 creates a lot of problems. Yeah. And so you it's not just about surrounding yourself with help stuff. It's it's about surrounding yourself with the right people. And two, when you're starting out, this includes like lots of mentors. This includes people that can pull you in the right direction. One of my one of the things that I like best about surrounding myself with talented people is I'm held responsible to them. And people that are talented, that are good at what they do, they're not BS people. They're like, you said you were going to do something. You need to do it. And that comes into when you start something, when you're going towards it, go 100%. Yeah. Go all in. Surround yourself with people that are going to hold you accountable. And they're going to say, no, listen, you said you were going to get two deals. And I brought you two deals. And you didn't close on either one of them. And they're exactly what you wanted. Yeah. They're like, what's your deal? Right? They're going to hold you to what you say and what you do if they're good. Yeah, I think if you're new or when you're going into something you don't you don't yet know. Oh, there's a quote on this. It's like confidence is driven from understanding and fear of action is is driven from not understanding, like lack of knowledge. And I feel like when you don't know something, you're more hesitant to like you'll you'll dip your toe into it. You'll mm-hmm. you'll uh, go halfway. You'll just make sure you'll just see how it works versus. If you know what you're doing, and I think you guys with self-storage is a good example, you guys understand exactly what you're doing, you know what you're looking for, and you're confident in what you can do. So when a deal comes across your desk, you can execute on it. But let's say somebody who may have one deal under their belt, and maybe they got lucky, maybe they had some things go right their way, and a deal comes across their table, maybe they'll dip their toe into it. Or maybe it's their first deal, and they'll just, oh, let's let's see the numbers, let's let's run. What, can, what do you think we can do? It's not, There's a lack of certainty, and with the lack of certainty, they're, they're probably not going to execute or they're going to be more apprehensive and they'll lose the deal. And that's what happens when you don't understand, which is why you should always be learning. Yeah. But, but yeah, and, 100%. And a, way that, uh, a way that I've done this and starting out, because uh, this is, you're absolutely right. Most people lack confidence because of what they understand, which is a huge problem because this is a chicken and egg kind of thing. Most of the time, the vast majority of what you're going to learn is you're going to learn by doing. Yeah. And so... One of the things that I I think is the reason to have mentors and surround yourself, I can overcome my lack of confidence by not understanding as long as I have trust and belief in the people that I surround myself with, then I'm okay with it. 
then and I'm like, learn it as you go. And I can learn it as I go. Yeah. And I know that I'm learning it from the people that know it and are the best in the industry. So that gives me confidence to go all in. Now, to once again, I'm not suggesting you go all in on something you don't understand, right? There's a huge process of learning that takes years and there's a way to scale up, right? If you want to go to real estate, start small and scale up, but you're going all in from the standpoint of this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm moving forward. I'm going to hold myself accountable through other people, surround myself with those people, and I'm going to take action every single day yeah. towards a set known goal. And then by doing that, you got all these people you don't want to look dumb in front of, you know, you've told these people you're going to do it. And that drives a lot of action. It also will help you prioritize because that becomes the top of your list because you're now held accountable. And so everything else, you have to get rid of the stuff that doesn't matter. All of a sudden, TV flies out the window. You don't got time to sit around and watch TV, right? You don't got time to sleep in. And it starts to automatically eliminate excuses yeah. because they're no longer- Time sucks, yeah. An option. Yep. It's like, and I, I, you know, most of my life is lived that way. I, you know, I'm up and working by six. And I got my time I spend with my kids at night. I put them to bed. I have my email stuff. But it's it's broken apart. And I work. And I you know I don't watch TV. I don't do all that stuff because of necessity. Mm -hmm. I've made commitments that I'm carrying through on and I'm getting it done. If you leave the opportunity to do it or not do it, you're probably not going to do it. Right. Well, I could get this done or I could just sit and binge Netflix tonight. You're going to binge Netflix. Yeah. Your environment will dictate your um, results and what you do because – it's not only it's not only the distractions, but the people around you, and just the the goal, the expectations of yourself, which most of the time you you probably expect. Most people set their goals or set their expectations based on what other people think they can do. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And not necessarily on what they want or what they dream to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I think if you set your expectations on what other people want or what like the bare minimum or the baseline, you live and work to achieve just under that because you create the limitations in your mindset and and your act your actions will only be dictated by your limited mindset whereas if you start to surround yourself with people who would like triple or set your goals so much higher than what you would set them for you and to them it's just second nature and i think working like just an example for you guys when you're doing a storage deal and it's a 20 million dollar deal when it's done that messes with my brain because because if my goal was to be have a net worth of four million dollars and I just watched you guys do a twenty million dollar deal in in twenty four months, why would I shoot for four million or five million if twenty million is possible in the right vehicle in the right machine with the right expectations? Yeah, that's just an example of the way I think about it. And I I used to do this with working out, whereas people would set expectations: oh, a three like three hundred fifteen pound bench or a six hundred pound squat. But then when I started hanging out with Jesse Norris, who's world champion powerlifter, 800-pound deadlift, 700-pound squat, just a freak genetically. And I started to work out with him because he lives in Nampa. And my expectations and my physical ability, like squatting 500, benching 350, it's easy because my expectation is a world champion and not the, the normal people. And I think most people set their expectations for the normal people. And the biggest thing, regardless of the people you're around, it's, your, it's in your head. It's yeah. what are you actually shooting for? Is it to be a millionaire? And, it's, and that's going to get easier and easier as, with, with, as the inflation and mm -hmm. as things go along. Or is it to be triple times that or 10x that? Financially you know? free. Yeah. 
you know, I, I just could not agree with this more. Me and, me and Brandon Turner talked a lot about this on the podcast because this is so important. And two, you know, and I, we were talking about this and I, and I really do believe this limitations are contagious. And if you are trying to be a certain way, but you surround yourself with people that are the opposite of it, Mm -hmm. but expect the result to be different, you're crazy. That makes no sense at all. And you need to start identifying and having zero tolerance and patience for certain activities and behaviors. Because if you tolerate it, and if you entertain it, you will do it. And the outcome will be derived from that action. It's a simple one, but nobody does it. And it's so important. All successful people, they just, they get rid of barriers and they get rid of things that hold them back. And like you're saying, most of everything that holds us back is mentally. It's, it's saying either what's achievable or what's not and surrounding yourself with people. You know, if you're trying to be financially free and you're around people that live paycheck to paycheck and that's who you spend your time with and you go do those activities with them. Well, in your mind, yeah. What, what do you expect the outcome to be? Yeah, your mind's going to be dictated by their minds like, a, oh. All oh, the excuses. Yeah. Or oh, I, can't, I can't do that. I don't have enough money. Like th- th- that. They got lucky. Yeah. It'd be nice. They, they all have the same, what do you call them? Not, not stigmas. They have the same phrases, like catchphrases yes. that they'll say uh, if you ask them. And it's a good way of, for, for me, I always can, I can kind of figure out where somebody's at just by seeing how they think. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they, they'll tell you how they think. Yeah. They might not tell you directly, but they'll tell you through the words and the phrases they say. Oh, money doesn't grow on trees. Oh, um, what else? Um, yeah. Like they'll tell you and I can kind of put them in the box of where they're at in their life, where kind of they're going to end up. And you can also tell well, the difference too. He's like, so when you're talking about these phrases, a perfect example is like, oh yeah, well they're lucky or yeah, it'd be nice if I was him. Yeah. They give themselves an excuse right there that to has not. nothing to do with them. Yeah. And it's pure circumstance and chance that they have zero control over. Those two phrases immediately says, you're not in control of your life. You don't think you can be. And you're fine with that. Yeah. And you accept that where yeah. the people that actually got lucky stuff, no, they're in total control of their outcome. They don't believe that it was luck at all. And they're forcing those things to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And that's a state of mind. Yeah. Nothing more. Yeah. It's, there's no difference between somebody who has it and doesn't. I think, uh, what is it like, uh, Forbes 400 just released. And I, I want to say like, it was a massive percentage that was first generate like they they're the ones that acquired it. Oh, you, less. It, I think it was like sixty five percent or something. That yeah, less it. than less than I think it's fifteen percent of all billionaires and millionaires in the world. Well, billionaires, it's even way less for millionaires. It's yeah. like less than ten percent of all millionaires ever inherit their wealth. Yeah, it's just that's then, not how it works. Right, right, and and they they're the ones who retain it too because because if you didn't earn it, you're probably not going to retain it just yeah. because you won't have the, the skills or the knowledge exactly to, to keep it. But but. On that point, though, it's like it proves that anyone can do it. Yeah. You just you need to get the right thought processes, and you need to have the right understanding of how to get the like get the money, basically. And it's funny because you know I uh, so I grew up middle class, but then my dad was an entrepreneur, and he always had this mindset, and he you know would work hard and stuff. And I feel that I had a huge advantage, but the advantage that I had was passed on for me in the form of knowledge. But if you think about your dad too. Like, yeah, he was complete poverty. Not like nothing, nothing. And, and like he had an outhouse. It, yeah, like yeah. we, my, my 
family were farmers. We grew up in rural Idaho, right? And then he got into insurance, and we ended up moving to Boise later on in my life. And then after I was a teenager and stuff, he started his own business. And um, then I came and worked for him. Uh, well, I went off and did other things, and I came in. And then from there, me and him started building other companies, and we built Bitterroot, and we, you know, on and on and on. But it was always this idea, and I think this comes from sales, because that's what he did, and that's what I did. I make all my money off sales. I always have. I was never paid a salary in my life. Yeah. And it was because my dad said, you, you eat what you kill. Yeah. That's what he did. And that's what I did. If I wanted to make a hundred thousand more dollars, I had to go earn it. I had to go out and sell something. Yeah. And that mentality has yeah. always stuck with me as in, if I want something, I can have it. I just have to go work for it. And I think that's why salespeople too tend to be entrepreneurs because they simply get that fundamentally that, oh, I mean, there is nothing, there's nothing more empowering than, you know, when I'm 22 and I want to make an extra, I want to make $150,000 and I set my goal and I go start calling and I make the sales and you make the income and you're like, I'm in total control. Yeah. And that's a mindset that, you know, I think sales brought me in too. Not everybody's like that. You know, in my family, me and my dad, we, we worked together. My brother, one joined the army and then um, the other one works for a software sales company. Right. And so one was not comfortable at all with sales where my other brother is just like me. He's out, he's investing in real estate. He has his own real estate thing and he's um, in a software company in Southern California. So he's like me and my dad and the other one, you know, he wasn't like it. And that was fine. He's like, no, I want to join the army and stuff. I, you know, as much as I tried, I loved it. I wanted to go work with me, not, but the idea that it's possible you is so fundamental yeah. that not only is anyone can achieve it, but what's the most important thing to be passed on is knowledge. And that comes once again, through who you surround your people with. Yep. I mean, always growing up, I had to learn more. We had to do more. If we didn't want to figure it out, you had to you had to go out and find people, accountants, lawyers, and to pick the people also, you need to go to people like you said that, well, what do you want to do? What are you trying to do? Let's find a way. Yeah. Yeah. Find somebody who actually wants to grow with you. Well, and I think we should just recap or like we, cause we've gone yeah, full gamut. Full like gamut. you need to surround yourself with the right people. You need to get the right mindset. Um, we, you, what else? Um, you need to go all in. Yeah. You need to go all in. And you need to figure out your, like, w- think long-term and figure out where you want to go. Like, in, and I would probably look, rather than looking a year ahead, look, hey, 10, 20 years ahead yeah. and reverse engineer that path because that's going to tell you who to surround yourself with, what you need to start to think and, and what your goals and, and like thinking long-term, what you should, what your goals should be. Okay. So thinking long-term, what your goals should be. This is a perfect one that we've talked about a lot. Now this comes back down to kind of how I'd mentioned my sales, you know, we were doing sales and we were making income and, and that was great. And so me and my dad would go out and we'd sell to companies and I was in a lot of control over my income, which I liked a, a lot, but years after me doing sales and stuff, I realized I was on a treadmill, right? And I kind of realized that where I thought I was going, I was actually not going there. And what I really wanted was financial freedom, but I wasn't doing the appropriate actions to achieve it. I was simply doing sales. And so I knew I needed to start a new way to achieve this. And that new way was investing through real estate. And a lot of people, you may be there already. Like you're talking about getting started. You may love your job. You may be getting paid six figures in your job, but you need to start a new way. And so I said, all right, I need to create. And that's exactly what we did. What I did is I sat down and I broke up, said, this is how much money I 
want in fi- if I have financial freedom, I have financial freedom. Okay, so there's financial security, financial independence, and financial freedom. I need to make these three levels very clear. Cash flow to freedom, we have these three levels. Financial security means like you pay your mortgage and food. Now you're not living a good life, but you're not gonna lose your home. The second one is financial independence. That's replacing your income. Okay. The third one is financial freedom. This is what I was looking at. I wanted passive income to financial freedom and financial freedom included everything that I'd ever want in life. Right. So I sat down and I charted this whole thing out and I said, here's the numbers I have to hit. Here's the numbers that I want to be able to reinvest to continue growing while I lived a certain lifestyle. That number happened to be very large, but I also knew that in order to get that passively, we had to create something different. So I created this whole idea of Bitterroot, which was my favorite mountain range. And I, I said, this is how we're going to construct this. And this is how we're going to build it. And then when we did it. We went all in. It was like, I'm like, okay, we did sales on the side to pay the bills, to reinvest that capital. But it was like, nope, I'm into real estate. Now. Let's explain what, what Bitterroot is and explain like yeah. the infrastructure of you self-funding the management company and acquiring the assets around it. Because that because yes. what, what AJ is about to explain is how you should think about it. Because for me, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm not self-funding my management company. I'm going to acquire the assets and get enough income, and then I'll, I'll build my management yes. company. So yeah. And this is long-term thinking, what we're talking about. So, we're talking like, about... This is like 50-year thinking. Yes. Yeah. We're talking about building brands, building something that is sustainable, long-lasting. What what I did is I said, okay, we want to do a value add. People were talking about getting 6 12% return on real estate. I'm like, that doesn't cut it. And it didn't cut it in my numbers when I reverse engineered it. I'm like, I need a high percent percentage return so I can compound out quickly my returns. So we looked at... And what I said is we need to buy underperforming assets, turn them around, and then really drive revenues up. Then we could reallocate those revenues back in and we could keep buying quickly. So we worked our jobs. We poured our money into buying assets and also building out a management company. And that was a team of people that focused on three different areas, the physical nature of the assets, the employees, and then policies, procedures, and the financial side. And we surrounded those around when we would buy the asset, the team would come in and improve each aspect of that asset. And we would drive those revenue flows. We'd increase rates, add products, everything like that. We'd get a 20 plus percent cash on cash return. Then we could go take the money, reinvest and buy another asset and continue doing that. They, as they we had also out. a deal flow aspect to it where yes. you guys are constantly getting deals. Mm-hmm. Um, off market. Off, ideally, yep. most of your deals are off market. Yes. yes. Which means that brokers are calling you guys because you know they'll cl- they, they know you'll close mm-hmm. and they don't even need to bring it to the market because they'll get their seller the, the price they want and they'll be able to close the deal quickly. And, and they knew exactly what we wanted. Yes. We were very clear on what we wanted. Yes. And so I'm working my sales job. I'm out selling. We're building this on the side for years because... I knew if I started taking money out of that, if me and my partner started taking money out of that, then we couldn't compound the rate as fast enough because we'd be paying ourselves. And it only worked compounding until it got to a level where we were over a million square feet and we have facilities over four states and it can sustain itself fine, but it can also grow itself. And that yeah. was very important to me. It needed to pay the bills, it needed to pay me, and then I needed to be able to return capital to regenerate into itself yeah. and reproduce the results. Very long term. This is yeah. This is super high level too. Because if you think about what a private equity firm does, and, and I was looking, at, I've been looking at a, a ton of them. You guys basically self-funded your own private private equity firm, mm-hmm. where 
that's all private equity does. They find underperforming assets or companies yep. and they'll inject their, and normally they'll sell them for a profit to their investors, but you guys are just buying and holding them. Yes. But when you think long-term like that, you end up, and like, let's say you 100x this down, make it smaller. You can still retire for like somebody who doesn't want to do what you just explained. Like this is oh, teams and people. None can, of this, none of that changes. Yeah. You're talking about size of assets. Well, and two, when we started, they were duplexes. much smaller. Exactly. Yeah. You could do it with duplexes. You could do it with fourplexes. You could do it with, there's people that are doing this with raw land. You could do this with small internet companies. You could do this with affiliate marketing companies. Yeah. You can do it with service on and on and on and on, which two we're building out all those companies around us. So we are also, you know, me and Rock, we're buying online businesses. We have, I have my service companies that I started. So this action, and once you figure it out, that's the magic of it. You can continually repeat and compound it out because keep it going. Yeah. What, what, what AJ just explained with the management company is it's vertically integrated. So he doesn't have to take on any extra overhead to continue growing his system. Like the more facilities you add on, it doesn't change your operations. Like maybe you have to add on one more person after five more facilities. Yeah. But the overall function of the company is done. And that's kind of the, your, what, what you explained is exactly what I'm doing on the online side. I'm going to vertically integrate where I have my marketing, my customer support, my warehouse management. Everything's with me. And then I just have to onboard companies and improve their operations, improve the value, either sell them or continue to, to run them. But what yep. you explained is you can re- replicate it at any level, and it's this that's it's what private equity does. It's what yeah. it's what uh, honestly Berkshire Hathaway and all these big companies do. With well, and and think about it like this: if you're an individual and let's say you wanted to do this in let's say affiliate websites, right? Small affiliate websites that pay you a hundred bucks a month, and so what you do is you say, okay, let's say they pay you just simple math here, a thousand bucks a month. It could be way cheaper, but a thousand bucks. I want a sixty thousand dollars to retire, so I need six of them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to save up and let's. Once again, this is not true numbers at all, but it costs $10,000 to buy one. So I know that I need $100,000. I have no money. I'm going to save up to get the first one of the $10,000. I'm going to get, now I have to work a full-time job. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out and have VAs that I know are going to support my marketing, my keyword search, that are going to support writing. And out of this first one, all that money is going to go to pay the VAs, right? The second one comes on, I can add more VAs, all right? And the fir- And now I can... Uh, I saved up to the 10,000. So let's say that takes you five years to get to three, but now the $2,000 pays for all the VAs and the thousand dollars a month now pays for you to reinvest. Now that allows you in just a short amount of time a year to buy another one. And then you can buy two more really quickly. Then you can add more VAs, maybe hire a person on, and then that allows you to compound out. And now you're buying, let's say three more. And that allows you to have the income to come in. It's the same thing on a micro scale. It's the same thing on a large scale, right? You're building infrastructure to support the investment or business activity as you go. So when you start out, you need to think long-term. You need to think, okay, I'm going to buy the first one or the first deal or it's first business, but I'm not just going to live off that income, right? I need to be able to grow horizontally to sustain. Well, then vertically, you need to build some of those support systems. And they could just be, you know, jump on Upwork and find people that'll help you out. That's, you know, it's in cash flow to freedom. I don't know anything about a website. So I have my website guy that helps me, you know, work on my website and change graphics, things like that. And so you could build out a little small support group of VA because that's controllable. You control how much you spend based upon hours you allow them to work. You don't need to hire them on full time to get it to work. So when you start out, go 100%, 
think long-term. So you're going to go all in this thing. You're thinking long-term, you're saving your money and you're spending all your time on this because you need the resources to pull in. And you're creating a brand, a vision around the company. This goes back down to thinking long-term, right? You need it. You don't want to do a one-off product that's a quick sell online. You need a brand. You want a company to own, whether that's in your you're investing. Like I have my commercial real estate. We have our brand, whatever that may be that you're, you're building out. So you think long-term and then you got to surround yourself with the people that can help you execute on that vision and on that long-term goal that you have. Be prepared to put in the time and the work. And then what will happen is in 10 years, you're going to be so far beyond what you ever imagined you could have been anyways, that you're going to be looking back and thinking in 10 years, I could have never imagined being at where I'm at today. Yeah. I mean, in six years, six years ago, I could never imagine that we'd be where we're at today. Yeah. I just, it, it wasn't in my scope of planning. I had my goal and I knew I wanted to make it big, everything like that. And of course I had my dreams, but I didn't have an exact action plan out, but I went all in. We created a brand. We built the team out. We worked, we used all our monies and savings, worked two, three jobs, put it all into and then we scaled it up, didn't take any money out, and we spent years building it. And in six years, it, it, it turned out a rock star. Yeah, I think just to recap that, we've kind of gotten to two sections. Yeah. Um, think When you think long term, make sure the vehicle's right. Make sure you're integrating. Like I, like I like to just say it's vertically integrated. I think that's the best way of saying it. Or at least has the intention of being vertically integrated. When you have three properties, it's probably not worth having a property management company. But always thinking long-term and thinking, oh, how, how does a property management company work? How can I how can I get to that point? Because you guys obviously started with enough money to mm-hmm. own your own property management yeah. company for your own assets. Yeah. But uh, that comes with scale and it, it could be different for everybody. But always just thinking long-term, saving your money and working the two jobs and um, kind of creating a game plan and testing that game plan and asking people about the game plan and just going, yeah, all in and doing the game plan every day to um, push push things forward. So now, guys, I know this is a huge subject, and we've kind of we all around we're jumped kind of all around here. But I, I think it's important too because we we really you know these these points are extremely important, and we're talking about the architecture when you're getting started. This is the framework you need to think about. So it's important. You need to think about the framework. You don't want to get five years down the road and be like. Wow, I didn't build this to last at all. Yeah, and now you feel like you wasted your five years, or you're or you're spending all your time in one thing, and you just can't get out from underneath your work. You're now buried yourself. Yeah, yeah. that happens a lot. So w- the reason we hit around and the reason we talk about these things is because starting out, you do need that architecture, you need the support, you need the help. Now, give us some feedback, guys. If there's any areas you want to stay on more stuff, this is a response to some of the emails you got. We we absolutely love the feedback. Cashflowtofreedom.com or YouTube. Go to Cashflow to Freedom on YouTube. I do specific videos that we talk about everything from cap rates to all sorts of stuff. Jump on there. You can look at those as we dive in. Give us your feedback on how you liked this podcast, what you like, didn't like about it. We're happy to answer more questions because we could totally nerd out. This is like our jam. This is yeah. this this kind of stuff is just awesome. We really enjoy it. And please give us a far five star rating. This is, you know, me and Rock get together. We do this thing because we're passionate about it. We like it. We're not getting paid for it. So we'd appreciate your feedback and a five star rating. And thank you everybody for tuning in.
Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.